power of the word. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever done what they were talking about. Like some people pray and they, God gives them one word that's for the year, right? Some people do that. Some people think that's crazy. Either way is fine, right? God can use any of those things. But his word is what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to start with um, just some, I'm going to merge two different things together this morning. We're going to talk about two different areas in scripture. And I'm going to go back and forth between Psalm 1, which talks about the blessed man, and Matthew 13, which is the parable of the sower. And if you don't know what those are, that's okay, because we're going to walk through it. If you do, and you're wondering how they go together, we're going to walk through it. In both cases, God is using imagery, right? He uses things to help us understand spiritual truths. God loves imagination. God is so creative, obviously, in everything we see around us, but he loves imagination. That's why he put it in us. And so that's why when we read in scripture, there's so many things that are creatively told because that's part of who God is, and he put that part in us too. So Jesus always taught a lot in parables, which is a story that helps you understand a spiritual truth. And he always did this in scripture. And so Jesus, you know, he grew up learning the word, right? He grew up learning um, the Torah and the prophets, and he grew up understanding all of that, right? And so when he did that, he understood all of that and when he was teaching. So that's why it's really cool to see them beautifully connect. When you see something in the Old Testament with something in the New Testament and it crosses over, it connects together. And the other thing is Jesus said, I haven't come to destroy the law and the prophets, right? I've come to fulfill it. I've come to open your eyes to even more what it was talking about. I'm not taking anything away. And so whenever Jesus shares something or teaches something, we can always see it linked back. We can always see how it complements. So we're going to start in Psalm 1. Now in Psalms, just so you have a little background, and some of you know this, but I love to explain the book of Psalms is from the poetry genre. Like, there's some books in the Bible that are specifically poetry. And, you know, in English version, it's like, roses are red, violets are blue. Okay, well, they are very rhymy. They're very patternistic. But in Hebrew poetry, it's not that way. Basically, it's like a lot of uh, parallelism where basically, like, the second line would repeat the first. Or the second line contrasts the first. Or that it completes an idea. And basically, that's what poetry does for Hebrews, is it completes a whole idea in different ways. And you'll see that in Psalm 1. You'll see that all the way through the Psalms. But we're going to jump into this. So I'm just going to read through the entire Psalm. It's only six verses, so don't get scared. It's not Psalm 119. We'd be here for three days. But we're going to read through Psalm 1. And it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we can see in this poem, he's comparing two different ways of being human. 
there's two different paths, right? The way of the righteous, the way of the wicked. That's what he's comparing. And that first word there, that blessed, is uh, the Hebrew word baru. And it usually, that's not that word. Usually the word there is baru, and it means blessed and favored. But here it's something different. It's ashra. And that is what somebody would say about somebody that's Baru. Like if I, I'll just pick on Noah because he's in the front. If I saw that Noah had Baru, he was favored and blessed. And I was like, wow, he has a really blessed, good life in God. That's what that word is meaning. It's, it's somebody describing somebody that has a favored and blessed life. And in this description of this person, he's telling them what choices he doesn't do, right? He doesn't walk right in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't do those things. And then it goes on to say what he does do. So you're seeing the back and forth, right? What he does do, he delights. He takes pleasure and satisfaction in the instruction in the Bible, and he meditates on it day and night. Now listen, if there's something that you know you need to be doing for yourself that's good, sometimes we don't delight in it right away, right? Like, let's be honest. You know, oh, you need to drink half your body weight in water, and you're drowning by the end of the day, right? Because you're like chugging all the water, or you have to exercise. Delight is not the word that comes to mind when I think about that, right? But some of these things are good things, right? Eating healthy, reading more, going to sleep sooner, But what happens when you begin to do them consistently over and over? Your body begins to want those. Your body begins to enjoy those. You begin to enjoy those and to want those. You do begin to delight in them. So I find it incredibly interesting that this verse in in the sides, it says delight, and then it says meditate day and night. Because if you do it day and night, then you're going to delight. And if you delight in it, you're going to do it day and night. Do you see how it just begins to become this big circle of what we do? That's where God wants us. He wants us in that place where we love his word. And meditating here, it's kind of like quietly mumbling. Like, have you ever been putting together a piece of furniture that has like 500 million parts from Wayfair? And you have to no, nothing against Wayfair, but it has lots of parts, right? Or you're fixing a piece of equipment and you're putting it together and you're like mumbling to yourself. And I'm, I'm not saying angry words of frustration, right? <laughs> Those are not the mumbling words we're talking about. I'm talking about where you're like, okay, so like this piece goes there. Or this I know needs to turn there, so we need to fix this there. You're mumbling it to yourself because you're figuring it out. You're learning how it goes together. You're learning how to apply it, right? That is the picture of meditating. It's the process of taking a bite and continually chewing on it. It's really working through it, not just looking at it one time. So we're looking at this person in Psalm 1. Um, They've made choices that have allowed them to know the good life, that favored, blessed life. Now, we know from reading the Bible in its entirety, good life with Jesus does not just mean financially set and healthy forever, right? Good life in Jesus means peace and um, joy and contentment no matter what's happening, 
right. It's more about the inside than the outside. Do we get blessed on the outside? Yes. God loves to give good gifts to those who love him. But that's not when you see somebody and you would, you would speak that and you would have that description. It's not just because of that. Now, we see that, you know, Job and uh, even Abraham, all of them were, were very favorably blessed. And it was visual. But that's not the only way that it's described. So we see this person and we see that their choices, the do's and the don'ts, shaped what I'm going to call their soil. And we're going to get to why we're saying that this morning. Because they said we're going to jump back and forth, right, between Psalm 1 and Matthew 13. So we're going to begin over in Matthew 13. And, and you might have seen my um, friends carry my little table over because I am a visual person. And I love to hear and listen, but I also love to see. And so I always bring something visual to walk us through what we're going to talk about this morning. And this story is somewhat very familiar. A lot of people have heard this, but I just always want to challenge you to have your heart open to hear what God's saying this morning. So in Matthew 13, uh, Jesus had gotten into a boat just a little ways off the shore because the crowds had gotten so big and there was a lot of people. And, you know, he's a people person, but he doesn't want to be smashed. So he he pushes back a little bit. It was probably better for more people to hear, acoustically better. You know, Jesus was a smart guy in making sure he reached the people that he needed to reach. So he gets in this boat and he begins to tell them the story of the parable of the sower. And remember, that means he used everyday things to teach them a spiritual truth, right? And farming to them was something they all knew about. It was part of their culture. It was very familiar. So we're going to read through this parable in Matthew 13, starting at verse 3. Um, I, I'm reading all of mine out of the ESV, just so you guys know what version I'm using. And it says, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And he who has ears, let him hear. It's kind of funny that God throws that, Jesus throws that last little phrase in there. I mean, it is true. It, Without explanation to know the spiritual truth, sometimes we can't hear it. But when I was reading this, I was thinking, this is just how my mind works sometimes. Like, he who has ears, let them hear. I could totally use that line with my children. Like, I feel like when they're not doing their chores and they're not getting up, he who has ears, let him hear. And I know you have too, right? Like, come on. They can do it. And I feel like Jesus was uh, using that and saying it in a little bit of jest, but also in the fact that some of you, it's not quite time yet. Some of you, it's not quite time to hear. So, Jesus uh, begins to talk to his disciples. They're asking some questions about, why do you always talk in stories? You know, they, they don't understand why Jesus is doing everything he's doing. This is all brand new. They don't have the Bible like we do, where they're reading all the different things and putting it together. They're not quite understanding yet. And Jesus explains a little bit to them, but then he pulls his disciples 
his small group, like his trusted crew together, and he begins to give them a behind-the-scenes look at what this really means. Man, don't we want a behind-the-scenes look of what Jesus is doing, right? Like, God, just open your word to us and the way that we can see it in what you're saying. Give us that behind-the-scenes look this morning. So we're going to look at what he began to tell his disciples. And the first thing that he begins to talk to them about is that the word here, the word um, is the seed. The word there is logos. In Hebrew, it means the written word. There's the spoken word of God, which we need. But in this moment, he's referring to the written word of God. And that's what he's talking about here. So we're going to go ahead and read this first part. And it says here in verse 18, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. All right. So we have this first soil here. Now, I didn't bring path or I actually thought, you know, like maybe if I could get my hands on some blacktop, but it was a little buried. So I couldn't find any. Um, but I was like, you know, this actually works because this is hard. This is like just like that path would be, right? It's beaten down. It's the easiest place to walk, right? It's following what everyone else is doing. It is going along with what everyone else already did before you. The path is there. It's the easiest route to take. And with this seed that was given, it's put in their hearts. It says the seed was given and it was put in their hearts. But the evil one comes and snatches it away. Snatch is not like a gentle like lift, right? Like when you snatch something, you grab it and you pull it, right? You take it quickly. Well, the enemy came and he snatched this one away. And so we move on to the second one. Now stick with me here because I know you're like, Pastor Melissa, some of this we already know. But I promise you, when I saw how these two things went together, it was pretty amazing in my heart and made me start checking things. And I want the same for you guys. So we have this first path then we move into the second path. And it says, as he began to explain to the disciples, it says, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So here it's put in his heart, just like the other one. He hears it, he receives it, but there is not an understanding. It can't go deep. It's surface. Uh, Emily, my 16, almost 17-year-old, would use the phrase, it's fake, right? Like that's, she likes that word a lot. It's fake. And so when hard times come, or when you're challenged, or when they're persecuted because of what they believe, they fall away. They don't really believe what the word says. They believe it unless there's a little shaking going on. And then they're not so sure that that's really what they're going to trust in. So we head into the third one. And it says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. 
again, we hear that there's growth, but the cares, the anxieties of the world, the pool of riches stop the growth and there is no fruit. And, you know, thorns and thorn bushes can just come in like they're tiny and small and cute and then they're big and ugly and hurting, right? And um, when I first moved into uh, the house we're living in now, I've been there for like five years, it was completely overgrown. Like everything was really covered. And there was this one poor little rhododendron bush that had a briar bush all around it, like tangled tight. And um, I dug that briar bush out of there and had to keep working at it because, you know, it just keeps coming back. And uh, now that rhododendron is huge and blooms every year. But it took getting those thorns out of there, right? And uh, I was actually thinking, this is a side note story. Do you mind a side note story? Thanks, one person. Okay, well, the rest of you just have to listen. (laughs) No, you know what I was thinking? Because sometimes... Sometimes you guys don't get to hear a lot of my story, so I just wanted to share this one story because thorns makes me think of this story. So I love roses so much, and pink roses are my absolute favorite. And when I was dating Matt, um, you know, I really was really praying because at that point I was like 19, and I didn't want to be in a relationship that wasn't what God had for me. I didn't want to hurt another person, and I didn't want uh, me to get hurt. I wanted to be where God wanted me to be, right? So in praying that, you know, sometimes we put out fleeces. I don't know. That's probably not always the right thing to do, right? But sometimes God humors us like he did Gideon, and he allows us to do that. And so I was like, God, if this really is the person that you have for me, um, I want him to bring me pink roses, right? That's what I said. Right or wrong, that's what I said. And, um, you know, I'm 19 and in love with this guy. I'm like, please, pink roses, you know? But... So it comes, and he's taking me on a date, and he actually brought, bought me a promise ring, super sweet. And he brings me roses, and they're yellow. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Like, they're yellow. But then God said to my heart, as I'm sitting there holding these roses, look at the paper. And these roses were wrapped in paper that had pink roses. And it had hundreds. And he said, I wasn't giving you just one or two or even a dozen. I wanted you to have hundreds of pink roses to know that I have chosen this for you. And I'm telling you, I still have that paper today because I knew that God did that, right? I knew that he put Matt into my life for a reason. So those thorns make me happy. But these thorns are the ones we don't want. Um, But believe that God's going to do what you ask him. Don't be afraid to ask him. If it's something silly, he'll tell you, right? Like, you got to trust where you're going with him and trust that he wants the best for you. And that's what we're talking about today. All right. Back to the story. So um, we've, we've read the first three, right? We've read about the path that's beaten down, the path that's easily traveled that most people are going to go, the path that the world takes, the path that has the signs, like, go this way, follow this way, right? We have the path with the rocks that um, begin to stop the growth and not allow things to happen, right? We have the path with the thorns that begins to choke and um, 
that allows the cares and just the weight of this world to just take us down or our desires for something else other than God to become bigger than what we want and what we need. So we move into this fourth uh, soil and it says, uh, as for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understand it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case, hundredfold in another 60 and in another 30. Now, I want you to notice something that with all four instances, the word is given to their hearts. The same word. It's not like the sower said, oh, we'll use this seed here and we'll use another seed there. No, it's all the same. It's all the written word of God given to every person. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if you're smart or not smart. It doesn't matter what culture or race you're from. The same written word of God is given out to everybody. It doesn't even matter if you have a hard heart or a soft heart. God's still giving out the same word because he wants you guys to have it. He wants us to have it, right? So we look, and, and that's for all four. All of that is the same. Everything is the same that's given out, right? But then we see that in the next three, something a little different happens. In the next three, we see that there is a little bit of growth. There's no growth in this one. This, this person is jaded. Their heart is hard towards God. The word that is alive and powerful and active can't grow. But in these three, there's some growth. In all three of them, the word of God is powerful. It's going to do what the word of God is going to do and, and wants to do. So it's there. We see the growth. For a visual, all three of them look the same. Now, I, if you know me, I really, really love being outside in my garden. I like gardening. I like flowers. I like all of that. So I'm one of those people that when you plant your seeds in the garden that you're going out every day like, did it come up yet? Right? Is there a little, a little sprout? Right? Your cucumbers, your, your green beans, your onions. Like, it's so exciting to me seeing the first blossom on the plants. I just, it excites me. I love it. But when they first start coming up, they pretty much all look the same, right? There's not that anything more exciting than a green bean popping up than a cucumber. Like, they look the same. There's nothing, you know, you can't really tell a distinction. You can't even tell if, like, this one's going to thrive and that one's not because they kind of look the same right now. And that's where this is. That's where this is. All right. It's so quiet in here. I need some I need you guys to be a little louder to make me feel like I'm comfortable up here. All right. So with these last two, it says they hear the word, but the understanding is still not there. All right. So not with the last two. With the rocky and the thorny, they hear the word. The understanding is still not there, right? Those are the ones that are hearing it, but they're not perceiving it. They're not recognizing what it's about. And these two um, have the growth, but the growth stops. It's stunted, right? It can't continue because they don't understand. And so they begin to allow hardship and desire for other things or making other things bigger than God in their life stop what God's trying to grow in them, what God's trying to do in them. It becomes bigger than the word of God. And in this final soil, 
This is what Jesus calls the good soil, right? And it's anyone who receives it and understands it and perceives what it means. So we're going to circle back. We finally made it. We've made it through the parable, and we're going to go back to Psalm 1, and we're going to see how these two things come together. So Jesus, he's talking about this good soil, and it's very similar to the person that we read about in Psalm 1 that is being described as having this good life, right? They, they chose, they didn't walk with the sinners, just like this road that everyone else is going down. They don't stand in the way of sinners, wanting the riches of this world. They don't sit in the seat of scoffers, being persecuted and falling away, right? They have chosen God's word. And even in Psalm 1, they meditated on what? The word. Do you see that? The word is the key here. The word of God is what is alive and powerful and going to begin to change things and begin to move things. Our choices are going to shape our soil. Now, I want to be very clear that salvation is not something that we work up, right? We cannot save ourselves. That's something that only God can do. But once God saves us and he's beginning to do something in us, we do have to make sure that we're on the right path with him, right? That we are beginning to work that out. He calls us with verbs in the Bible. He doesn't say, I've saved you, now sit there. He says, go make disciples, right? He says, be the light. He says, study to show yourself approved. There's action involved. And so that is why we're going to work on our soil. But let's look at Psalm 1, and we're going to look at verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So he is like a tree planted. I love that word, not just because I love plants, but planted is intentional. It didn't just happen to grow there by some happenstance. No. The soil was prepared for the seed that was being sown. It takes work to plant something. You have to be intentional. That's why I brought my shovel with me today, just so we can think about, man, when I have to go out in the spring and dig up that soil, oh, I'm like, please, is there anybody that can help me, right? Even digging that snow this past, like, Man, Friday night, Matt was working all day, so I went out in my driveway with my shovel. That was some work. My wonderful son comes out to help me, and we only had one snow shovel, so he literally brought this shovel out. He was like, then he's like, you're on your own, Mom, and went back inside. I was like, oh, my goodness. Because it's work, right? It's work. You have to make sure that the ground is free of stones. You have to get the weeds out of there. You have to make sure the right nutrients are in that ground to make sure it's good soil, that it's ready, right? God wants us to intentionally have good soil so when that word comes and it gets planted, that it can thrive. Because it's not going to thrive on accident, right? It's not going to thrive on accident. So we move to that second part, by streams of water. In the parable of the sower, they don't talk about water with these soils, right? But it would be known. I mean, they're farming people. 
they recognize that there has to be a source of water, there has to be sunlight, in addition to the soil being right that they planted. And so the water here, it talks about this word, streams, and what they would do is they would dredge trenches from a water source so that it could get to where they wanted it to go, right? So it could get to the plants. And man, I'm telling you, if you get your soil ready so that the seed can be planted and then you let the water of the Spirit come your way to begin to make alive what God's doing in your life, watch out. God's going to do something. But the other thing that I thought was interesting with dredging, that's some more work, right? Man, there's just work everywhere. But you know what? Just like when we learned delighting in that meditating, once you start, it's just going to be this circle of, I'm going to do it because I love it. I see what God's doing. I see how he's changing things. I see how he's moving things. When we're dredging that I, I, and making those trenches, I almost feel like it's, that's when we're making sure we're together as a church. We're finding those friends that are going to push us towards Jesus, right? We're getting that uh, biblical teaching and, and we're trenching that together because when that water comes down, it goes by every single plant that's along the way. And man, look at that picture of the church right there ready and willing to receive what God has and let the Spirit move. God is doing it. You can clap. God's, we're making those trenches. Now, this, this next part of this verse, so he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Fruit. Okay, fruit. These guys had some growth. They didn't have any fruit fruit, did they? No, they had some growth, but they didn't have fruit. That's what they were lacking. Now, fruit is not made to benefit the tree, right? You don't see an apple tree like, let me take a bite, right? That's not how it works. The fruit is for others. The fruit is created to benefit other people. Jesus called us to go, to make disciples, to lead others, to be an example, right? That fruit is not for us, but it's to give. So when I, um, up through high school and some into Bible school, I dealt with fear a whole lot. And I'm talking like a lot of fear. Like I would go to bed at night and like plan my escape route in case somebody came into my house or there was a fire, right? I had it down. I had a hiding spot if I needed to hide. And it sounds so funny even to me right now, but I was legit scared. And it was uh, fear that terrified you where you couldn't move and you couldn't function and you couldn't do what you needed to do. I couldn't, you know, go to the car uh, at night because you're afraid like somebody's going to get you or all those things, right? And, um, you know, growing up, of course, there's things that play into fear and the enemy uses those. So I, some of you have heard the story that my, when my brother was run over by a tractor, but I stood there and watched him get run over by a tractor. Saw my sister fall down a flight of steps. And then I got a phone call one day, and the person on the other line said they were coming to murder my whole family. And so those are the kind of things that were inside my heart. And the fear was so real, right? And I knew God, and I grew up in a home that believed and prayed and loved God. And, um, but when that fear has a hold of you, you can't do anything. It, it debilitates you. It stops you. 
Well, God beautifully set me free from that. And I won't go into that incredible story right now, but God did such an amazing work to the point that when I walked out, I honestly saw things clearer. Like it was like it had been removed. It was amazing. And I'm so free in Jesus. But fruit is not for you. And later on at Bible school, we went to a kids conference and uh, it was in Texas. And I remember up at the front, God had been talking to me about, I set you free so you can help others. And I'm there and this little girl, she walks straight down and comes right to me. And she says, I'm afraid I can't sleep at night. And I knew that God had freed me to pray for her. That's what God wants to do with your fruit. He wants to take what he's grown in you, what he's freed you from, what he's given you, and use it to help the others around you. How awesome and incredible is our God. His plan is always greater and always better. The next part of this verse, after it says that yield its fruit in its season, it says, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. When we're the person experiencing God's goodness in our life, our leaf does not wither. Fruit comes and goes based on the seasons. I know Pastor Beck even did a, a whole sermon series on that this past fall. It comes and goes in its season, right? But our leaf does not wither. It doesn't decay. It doesn't crumble. In all that he does, in all that that person does, in living right, he's prospered. And there's the Hebrew word that is used there. I love how it's described. It's, it's steady, favorable progress. You're thriving in whatever condition or season is going on around you. It doesn't say you've arrived. You have achieved the ultimate goal. There's steady, favorable progress. And so this morning... This morning, where is your soil at? Right? I know that's a weird question, but in, in relation to all of this, where is your soil at? We know that God gives us salvation. That is not something that we can earn. We can't work for it. We can't do anything to make that happen. He graciously gives us new life in him. But once we have that new life and he wants to share his word with us, listen, we can look like we're growing. I just want you to think about this a minute. I want to challenge you to check your soil. Because some of these, there was growth, right? And that's good. That's not bad. Because even that growth, God can take and make it, right? There's growth. But our soil around us is a picture of our future. It's a picture of, is what God doing going to continue to grow? Or is it going to be stunted and stopped before we can even know the fruit to begin to share with others. You got to look around. What's around you? What's in your life? Will you be fruitful for God, the man that's blessed? Are there rocks? Are there weeds? Are there patterns? Are there things lacking that God wants you to, to put into your life? Is he stirring something in your heart and your mind even right now? Let him talk to you this morning. Listen for his voice. What's bigger than he is in your heart and in your life right now? Because I'm telling you, God's for you. He wants you to be that good soil. He wants you to be that blessed man, right, or woman.
It means both. But make sure when you begin to get into that word that you're ready. Now, let me clarify. Prepared, ready, that does not mean perfect, right? None of us have it all together, and we never will. God has it all together. That's why we go to him, right? I'm not saying perfect. I'm saying ready. God, I can't even see what's in my soil, but I need you to help me. Show me where the weeds are. Show me the rocks. Show me what needs to be changed. Show me where I need to do the work. That's the heart he's looking for. He's not expecting you to come with this every time. No. These are going to be there sometimes. But it's the heart of change that allows it to become like that tree planted by the water that will bear fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither and you will have steady, favorable progress towards God, right? Isn't that what we want? We want that life that's for him, that everyone around us can benefit from because we have been spending time with him. That's what we want. I know that's what you guys want. That's why you're here. You love him so much. You know that he's real, that he's powerful. So this morning, I'm going to uh, go ahead and give you some different areas that I want you to think about, to pray about, to see maybe which category you fall in. You can go ahead and play a little bit of music for me in the background. But as I share these with you, I just want you to think about it because in just a few minutes here, I am going to open up these altars because time with God is incredibly important. I do it downstairs with the kids um, because you are never too young to spend time with God. And we teach them downstairs that it's about talking to him, but it's, it's also about listening. We love to talk. I love to talk. Even people, even like Matt, my husband, who really doesn't like to talk, he likes to think a lot, right? And sometimes we got to turn all that off and just listen. And so I'm going to encourage you this morning, talk to God, but spend some time really listening. He has so much to tell you, so much to say to you, but sometimes we just have to be still. So this morning, as you think about your life, your choices that have shaped your soil up until this point, are you ready to allow your soil to be prepared, to be changed? Maybe you're like, listen, I didn't even know Jesus was real before I walked into this place this morning. Maybe that's you. And maybe you're like, I didn't, I didn't even know God could do something for me. I didn't know that this life, this amazing thing was even available. If that's you this morning. God has amazing new life for you. He wants to uh, love you and let you know that you're forgiven, to know that you can be part of his family to recognize that he can be the Lord of your life. He can make you brand new. He can take you from the path that everyone else takes to begin to grow. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you know God and you know his word, but you're realizing that there are things that are stunting the growth. And over time, they're going to stop what God's trying to do in your life. Maybe parts are thriving. You might have like part of your garden doing super well and another part dying because it has 
disease and decay. Let him have those areas this morning. Ask him to help you to change your soil, to be able to grow. Maybe this morning, maybe you're really enjoying, you are that person. And that's okay to say, if that's where you are with God, that blessed life, you're knowing him. Not a perfect life, like we've said. Not perfect, especially by this world standard. Not even perfect that you've achieved everything in God. But you're making steady, favorable progress with him. That's to be a blessed and honored and good. But my question for you this morning would be to think about, is your fruit helping others? Where could you step out more and do what God's asking you to do? To let even the most vulnerable parts of you that God has changed begin to reach out. That's what's going to touch someone else because they're too embarrassed or they're too afraid or they're too this and that. When you take what God's done in you that's vulnerable and hard to talk about and you begin to share that with somebody, it breaks through all the lies of the enemy and it allows God to begin to heal and restore. What are you doing with your fruit this morning? Could you guys stand with me? As we pray this morning, I'm just going to pray that God reveals to you what he wants to do. He is for you. He loves each one of you. And because of that, he will challenge your heart. He'll challenge my heart because he wants us to become who he has for us to be. Go ahead and close your eyes with me. God, this morning, let our hearts be open. Let us be willing to let you come in and give us a visual of our soil. Let us see, God, where we need to move things out, where we need to move things in. God, help us to see what you want to do this morning. This morning, God, I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you as their Lord, as their Savior, that has never experienced new life in you, that, God, you would allow them to choose you this morning, that they would say yes to you to know that they're forgiven and loved. And, God, I pray that you open our eyes to see what we need to do with our fruit. Where are you calling us? Where are you asking us? to go, to further your kingdom, to see your will be done, to see disciples made and your name glorified. God, this morning, I thank you for hearts of believers that love you. I thank you that we are a church who wants more of you, who wants to see you powerfully move in our hearts and in our lives, in our community, with our families, with our friends. God, this morning, Begin to move in us that we can help others. Jesus, let your spirit be released in that trench to just come and open our eyes. Refresh us, reveal to us your word, your way, Jesus. I thank you for what you're doing, God. We worship you, Jesus. This morning, if 
if any of this has challenged your heart and you feel like you need to spend some time with God, I encourage you to put anything else on hold and to spend that time with him. These altars up here are going to be open. You can be at your pew wherever God leads you or directs you. That's where you need to be. So this morning, I'm just going to let this music continue to play. And I'm going to allow you guys to have those moments with God. <laughs>